you today and um, talk, have, have a nice fight. So, uh, my name is Justin, and uh, with me is uh, Rob Stone. How's it going? Oh, hi, hi. <laughs> and uh, today we're also joined by Stephen Fallick. So, welcome uh, to the podcast, and thanks for being here. Thanks for uh, inviting me on. I, I enjoy the show. Listen to every episode, some of them several times. So, uh, excited to uh, finally get my name on one of these episodes. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, we appreciate you coming on. This will be fun. Uh, yeah. I I don't know. We're we're all all about uh, herping and chatting with other fellow herpers, and you're the real deal when it comes to that. So. And you're also a burger, which uh, you know Rob may not uh, get too excited about, but but I sure do. <laughs> so, yeah, I, yeah, I do bird a lot, but I feel like most of the listeners don't want to hear about that right now. So <laughs> yeah, right. We can uh, we can leave yeah. that at that for now. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I didn't just get everybody to push stop on their <laughs> podcast, but <laughs> yeah, hey, birds are reptiles too, right? <laughs> That's what I tell people. Uh, Yep. And hey, what else are you going to do during the winter? So, yeah. Right. Uh, well, yeah, we, um, I guess what's new for me, my uh, wife and I took a quick trip down to, uh, the Baja Peninsula down in, uh, at the very end. Our hotel was actually called Land's End. It was like right at the southern tip of the Baja Peninsula. So, uh, among this great rocky outcrops and stuff. And I was really itching to get out there and look for, uh, some of the Baja blue rock, uh, lizards that <laughs> you can find. I mean, it's prime habitat and there'd been some records on INAT down there. And, uh, I did, I did go out one morning when my wife was kind of sleeping in a bit and, uh, the, the day that after we arrived and so she was sleeping. So I snuck out and went and tried to try to find some, but, uh, no luck and, and I didn't want to push it. So we mainly spent time on the water. And so we did, uh, the main purpose of the trip was to go swim with whale sharks. And that was kind of a bucket list item for me. And, uh, a friend of mine from high school, he invited us to go with him and, and his, some friends from Phoenix. And so we had this group of, I think 12 of us, uh, we were planning on going down and, uh, my friend, uh, his wife's nephew was killed in a car crash, like the week before we were supposed to go. And so they had to bail on the trip for the funeral and stuff. So it was kind of sad there. Um, and I guess everybody else had uh, tickets they could adjust and reschedule and we didn't. So I went, I went with the cheap tickets and so we, we had to go. So it was just me and my wife, but, uh, and then they'd close the port where the whale sharks were because of rough waters or something. We're like, ah, crap. You know, that's the whole reason we came down here. Now we're, we, we ended up staying in Cabo instead of La Paz, which these was the original plan. And uh, it was probably a good thing because La Paz had closed the port and so you couldn't go out on the water. Uh, and so we would, wouldn't have had much to do around there. So we went on a humpback whale tour in, in near Cabo and that's like uh, an excellent place to see whales. The first day we arrived, you could just see spouts out from our hotel. You could see them out in the ocean just right there. It was pretty fantastic. And so we saw a bunch of humpbacks just from the shore and then we went on this whale tour and we saw like a couple from a distance and we were trying to get close to them and they were like being really shy and not staying up very long. We're like, what is going on? And so all of a sudden our tour guide gets this, uh, you know, message or whatever. And she's like, 
So we just start hauling down to this area, you know, of ocean and there's like four or five other boats there and we get there and all of a sudden these orcas jump out of the water and we're like, Oh, which, and the tour guide said she's only seen them three times down there. So it was pretty, pretty exciting. And they were like right next to the boat. I mean, just right there. It was incredible. And so we found out why the whales were being a little shy is because the, their uh, predators were <laughs> in the area and they were trying to keep it quiet and not splash and not, you know, make much noise. So kind of ruined the uh, humpback experience, but it uh, gave us a, a more rare experience, I think, in that, especially in that area. So that's the first time I'd seen wild orcas, but that was pretty insane. Pretty cool. So, and then uh, they ended up opening the port our last full day. And so the trip was back on. So we went up to La Paz and uh, took a, they, the, this tour company picked us up and they put us on this really nice boat. It was like this big yacht and they had this food spread all, you know, it was really good food. And we went out and swam with the whale sharks. We saw maybe a dozen of them, um, got to swim with three or four of them and you're right next to the things, but the water was still pretty choppy. So it was, it was a little rough. And most, I think there were uh, 10 of us on the tour and Everybody went in once and then they're like, okay, I'm done. I saw it. I I'm good. And I'm like, can I go back for more? And like I kept going until I couldn't swim anymore. Cause the waves are, you know, cra my, my snorkel stopped working. I couldn't breathe any air in and I'm like, ah, oh, crap. So the guy, the tour guide actually swam back to the boat and brought me a new snorkel. And so I could keep going and, and yeah, it was uh it was a good time. So I think I went in maybe swam with a couple more whale sharks and, I guess went out maybe three or four times. So everybody else was like, are you done yet? Let's, let's go back to the big boat and eat some food. So, yeah, but it was pretty cool. Um, we also got to go uh, uh, swim with some sea lions on the same little tour. So they took us first to the sea lions while we waited for our turn with the whale sharks. And then, and then it's kind of a cool setup. They have this uh, area um, like a protected area where they only allow a certain number of boats and a certain number of people can be in the water at the same time. And it's like half of their, uh, the boats are allowed in half of the area. And if the whale sharks get sick of the boats, they can just swim into the area where boats aren't allowed. And there's somebody on the shore watching, you know, how, which boats go in and they can, you can get in a lot of trouble if you go in and you're not allowed. So kind of a cool thing. But yeah, bucket list uh, checked and swam with a whale shark and they, they're pretty impressive uh, beasts, really cool looking and nice sized. Uh, I mean, they were maybe like 10 to 15 feet, so not, you know, like a 60 foot monster or anything, but big fish to say the least, but pretty cool. So yeah, no, unfortunately not, not a single herp unless you're counting birds, but we saw blue footed boobies. We saw brown boobies. We saw, uh, Brant's cormorants, which were, it was a lifer for me. And, uh, you know, of course pelicans were everywhere and, uh, different gulls, mostly California gulls, but pretty cool. Nice. And, and frigates, magnificent frigates are such cool birds. They're like pterodactyls. <laughs> they look so cool. And we saw there was a flock of like 150 of them flying over our, just circling over our hotel. It was crazy. And then they just kind of, you know, one by, you know, groups by group flew out over to the open ocean. It was, it was pretty sweet. <laughs> so. Yeah. Frigate birds are awesome. It's, especially in flight. There's nothing else that looks yeah. quite like. 
right? Yeah, that forked tail and the, mm-hmm. the really thin wings. They're really acrobatic and fun to watch. So mm-hmm. we saw a few diving and, you know, you know, going into the water. So that was pretty sweet. But fun trip for sure. Um, I put up a video of the whale sharks on YouTube. So if you want to see see the whale sharks I saw, you can check out JG Julander on YouTube and check out the videos there. But yeah. So I don't know. Uh, season's going well. I, I've i got a couple uh, gravid womas, uh, gravid blackhead. Um, I think the jungle's gravid. And an inland looks pretty thick down there. So I think I might have a pretty good season. <laughs> May uh, be up to my eyeballs in, in babies. So if you want some of my uh, older stuff, check with me. I, I'm terrible at putting up ads and stuff. but. Still have uh, some anteresia, a couple carpets left, some inlands. I got to get the inlands uh, sold at some point, but I need to go through my list. I got a waiting list for those, but <laughs> yeah. Um, other than that, life is good. How about you guys? Um, well, as far as uh, snakes I keep, yeah. my collection is all really cold right now. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I keep mostly colubrids mostly native lampropeltis um okay. so they're going to be you know, used for another you know, probably a month or so mm-hmm. um but if uh last season is any indication i should hopefully have quite a few clutches on the ground um alterna greer eye pyros um i was hoping to breed my ruth and i but uh I was looking at them the other day, and turns out my female has bigger hemipenes than my male does. Oh, uh, wow. You know, yeah. one of those yeah. unfortunate things. But uh, yep. yeah, I don't want to count my eggs before they're uh, before the snakes are bred. But right. I'm, I'm hopeful for a good season, <laughs> except for Ruthven's. Yeah, except that's, for that's, that's one species of colubrid I have bred is Ruthven's kings and Pueblin <laughs> milks. I think that's back in my early days, back when my wife wouldn't let me keep pythons, so I had to get her warmed up with little cute snakes. <laughs> but yeah, there's some, I don't know. I love colubrids. There's too many cool, cool reptiles out there. We say that all the time, but lots of cool stuff to pick from. So um, yeah, there's a, there's no Python collection, but that, that might change here soon. I want that to change. My girlfriend uh, does not, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. There's got to be a, a, a bit of a balance. I, I do. I did agree not to keep any venomous with my wife. So that's, that's the one thing she's really held my, my, uh, the feet to the fire. So I haven't gotten anything venomous. It's kind of illegal here anyway. So yeah. probably not worth the hassle anyway, <laughs> but, uh, that's cool. Um, no, no gray bands. I've got I've got gray bands, so a, a majority of my lampropeltis that I keep are are gray bands. I figured as much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll do. You, do you keep them like pretty uh, strict locality, or what? What's your philosophy on that? Yeah, I uh, I only the only alternative I have are either wild cots or F ones that were produced by my friends, and I like to keep them cut locality matched, um, mm. or you know within a mile is what I try to do. That's cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm one of those hyper specific locality snobs when it comes to those. <laughs> <laughs> As you should be. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Right on. Well, um, tell us kind of how you fit into herpet, herpetoculture, herpetology, 
Um, yeah. So, uh, I've always been interested in herps. I, as a little kid, I started out with an interest in dinosaurs, um, like a lot of people. Yeah. And then I realized that I was never going to see a live dinosaur, but there are live reptiles all over the place and kind of really switched my focus there. Mm-hmm. Um, my first pet herp was a Egyptian Euromastix when I was five years old. Oh, wow. uh, loved that thing and had it for several years. Uh, at the time when I got that lizard at the herp shop we went to, it had a tank full of rats. And uh, I asked what those were for. Obviously, they're for feeders. And my mom at the time said, you're never going to own anything that eats another animal in our house. And that lasted for about six months. Um, <laughs> right yeah. I had very, uh, very supportive parents. Uh, yeah. My first snake was a ball python. And then, uh, you know, I kept various things over the years. Uh, after high school, I got real into keeping. Um, I had a large collection of exotic venomous. And then I got a job out of the country for a couple months. Mm-hmm. in New Zealand and I didn't have anyone to take care of them. So I sold my entire collection. Um, and after I got rid of everything, I kind of realized that my main interest was the native colubrids with a few exceptions. I've got some other things like Museranas and Terahumara boas and mm-hmm. things like that. But yeah, I came back and started working on building a collection of locality colubrids and that's where I've been ever since. <laughs> Nice. Well, now uh, you had me at New Zealand. <laughs> I want to hear about that. Did you? I just wrote well, both Rob and I just got the new uh, Naltinus book. So <laughs> uh, that's sweet. a book I need to get. Yeah. I mean, it's um, it's, it's pretty thin, but it's it's really got some cool information in there. I, I haven't had not much a bad time price to point, dive though. Into. Yeah. Yeah. To the, the, you know, 45 bucks or something. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's not definitely, bad at all. Definitely worth picking up. Yeah. Did did yeah. you uh, get do much herping in New Zealand? So I was there during their winter, so okay. I didn't see a single gecko. I did see two otaros, oh, which cool. you know, uh-huh. I can't complain there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm dying to go back and see some green geckos at some point. Yeah, which uh, island were you on? Uh, the North Island. Okay, nice. Based yeah. out of Auckland. So. Okay, what were you doing over there? If you don't mind me asking, uh, I was doing photography. Uh, I was working on the set of two TV shows, doing stills photos while they were filming. Oh wow! Um, which paid really well and allowed me to do some nice traveling while I was over there. Uh, in hindsight, I probably should have saved some of that money, but you know, I went to Fiji and Australia and around New Zealand, so uh-huh. just at the wrong time of year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, my I'm, uh, my work is having a error. We're, we're, there's a conference in uh, Gold Coast, and it's in May, which is probably not the best month to to be over there for herping. But I'm I'm planning on taking my two youngest kids and going over and heading up to Cairns, maybe a little more tropical, trying to find a few. It looks like the carpets are active at least, and you know, the crocs are out basking and stuff like that. So it should be pretty fun. So I'm excited to. It's always a Nice thing if work's going to pay for me to go to Australia. <laughs> so hopefully I can uh, have enough fortitude to hit some meetings as well. <laughs> uh, hopefully my boss doesn't listen to this, but <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I love uh, New Zealand. We my, I did a trip with my cousins over to the South Island and we basically circumnavigated the island and did uh, one of the great hikes, the um, Milford Sound hike, which was 
pretty epic and and really just amazing. Um, I did see uh, some Woodworthia geckos, but that was that was about it. I did uh, see a small skink as well. But, um, the Woodworthia geckos were cool. The, and it was our last night before we flew out, and we stayed at this uh, Airbnb, really rustic. There wasn't any electricity or running water. It was just like this stone hut out by a lake. It was pretty sweet. And I, I started flipping rocks behind the Airbnb and there were like all these geckos. <laughs> I found probably, you know, 10 or so. And uh, uh, Woodworthy, I don't think they're described yet. They're like, they're called schist geckos. They're Woodworthia species. And so that was pretty cool, but that was, you know, I, I looked real hard for some of the green Altinus, but didn't get lucky on those, but saw, saw a bunch of schist geckos in the land of Rohan where they filmed Lord of the Rings, the, the writers of Rohan parts, I guess. Pretty cool spot. Yeah. But I'd, I'd like to get back to New Zealand as well. That's a yeah. really cool country. Very high on the list. And, uh, also, unfortunately, very expensive to get back. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's uh, that's the uh, limiting factor, I think. But so now uh, yeah. you you live in Alpine, and are you from Texas originally? I'm from Houston originally, and okay. moved to Alpine in the fall of 2018 for oh, college. Nice. Right on. Yeah, my daughter's living out in uh, College Station right now. So that's okay, a cool spot. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alpine's a good good place to be located if you if you like herbs. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I uh, I actually live south of town a bit, and uh, so we get some nice wildlife and in our yard. Um, last year, my most common snake in the yard were blacktails, and uh, I definitely can't complain about that. <laughs> yeah, those blacktails. I can tell my friends, sorry, I'm late. There was a blacktail blocking the driveway. Is a <laughs> it's a nice thing to have to say. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I love those Arnatus. They're so beautiful. That kind of yeah. silvery gray and the dark blacks. Yeah, it's a good looking snake. Yeah, we were fortunate to find one on our second trip uh, down there. What a cool species. So. Yeah, All right. by you, hey? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, um, we we brought you on here to talk about field herping and, and in specific. Uh, Specifics, uh, we're going to look at uh, solo herping versus herping with a group, kind of the pros and cons that you can have uh, those two different ways. So I think uh, all of us have, have been on multiple herping trips uh, with, with other people as well as solo. So we should be able to cover both sides of that argument. So <laughs> we'll, uh, Rob and I will go ahead and do a coin flip to see who gets to fight with you tonight and uh, go from there. So. Go ahead and call it, Rob. Heads. It is heads. <laughs> what would you like to well, do? You want to moderate or fight? <laughs> I think I will moderate. I feel like I'm very curious what your various viewpoints are, so I'd yeah. love to listen. Sounds good. All right. Now for the uh, the topic here. Go ahead and call that one, Stephen. Uh, I'll do heads. Heads. Oh, it's tails. <laughs> All right. So, um, let's see. I'm going to, I'm going to go with solo herping. I think I'm going to defend that side of it. So, um, All right. um, and I'm going to go ahead and chuck you and let you go first. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so I guess the, uh, the most obvious advantage to herping with a group is 
being able to cover more ground. Um, you know, having more sets of eyes out is uh, going to mean that you're inevitably going to see more than you would if you were out by yourself. And um, yeah, is that is that enough to start with? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Can I, I, mean, back at you? I I agree fully. Like I uh, remember a herp trip I took kind of early on in my herping days, and it was the first big, you know specifically for herping trip. And there were about 30 of us. It was a herpetology class. And my uh, former business partner, Ben Morrill, he was in the class um, and, or at least associated with the herp department somehow. And I had just moved into town. And so he's like, I was a grad student in, you know, virology. So I wasn't in herpetology, but he's like, Hey, you, you can come along with us. I got you a spot. So I'm like, sweet. So we went down there and man, it, it's crazy. Like everybody would just kind of spread out and come back with, you know, rattlesnake or a gecko or whatever, you know, it was pretty, pretty cool down in the St. George area. So uh, I got to see the benefit of, you know, many eyes on, you know, specifically looking for reptiles, which was pretty cool. So I, I, uh, I agree. You know, I think you're, you're definitely more successful when you have a lot of people. Um, I guess the nice thing about solo herping is, um, you're able to find it, whatever you find, it's you finding it. So you don't have to like see somebody else's find like, Hey, Oh, that's cool. You found that, you know, <laughs> I don't know. There's something about finding it yourself, which is a little, little, just a little bit more fulfilling than seeing it in nature. <laughs> I don't know. And maybe it's my competitive nature. I don't know. I, uh, I like to like to be the one that spots it or finds it, you know? And, and I think we all kind of have that two list type idea in our heads where, okay, this is the ones I found on my own or, or the ones that I spotted versus the ones that we saw as a group, you know, so they all count, but you know, we kind of have that in the back of our heads. Like, <laughs> um, we, when we, uh, were in Southern Arizona, um, we, I think Dustin had walked right. He was kind of standing straddling a twin spot rattlesnake and Chuck came up behind him. He's like, wait, I hear, I hear a, is that a rattle? I hear something. Dustin like, Oh yeah, I hear it too. It's, Oh, it's right, right below me, you know, right between my legs here. So, um, and then Steve found one as we were hiking back, he, there was a, uh, female in shed that was basking, you know, out in the open. And so Steve and Chuck found the two that we saw on that trip. And then we went back and Rob and, and, uh, Dustin and a few others. And, um, Brandon, he spotted a juvenile, but, uh, Dustin and I were walking kind of on either side of a bush and we got rattled, we got buzzed. So we both kind of saw that one. So, and then as Brandon was heading our way, he saw a juvenile. So then, uh, when we were walking back the, the other way, kind of in a different Valley, I, I heard one, I found, I saw one, you know, found one on my own. So like, that was, that was my twin spot. <laughs> so, you know, kind of, it was cool to see, you know, five total, but that one that, that I got to find all by myself was kind of the exciting one, I guess for me. But so I yeah. guess I'd, I'd counter with that, you know, it's nice to, to be out there on your own and find everything you find. It's you finding it. So. Yeah. And I do agree with you there. Uh, Living out here, probably 95% of my herping is done alone. So when I find something and I spot it, it definitely means more than if, uh, you know, my friend a mile down the road is the one who spotted it. But, you know, that being said, 
being able to have that coverage also means that, uh, where was I going with this? I had it. (laughs) (laughs) That's all good. (laughs) Happens to the best of us. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do you want me to throw out another point? Yeah. Yeah. Throw me something. Um, the, the, the one down downside I see sometimes, I mean, I do enjoy, you know, visiting with people while we herp and things like that. Um, but the downside is you've got somebody talking to you maybe that you're walking next to, or you hear their footfalls instead of, you know, when, when I'm out on my own, um, I can hear kind of a, the slither of a, of a yellow bellied racer or something through the grass. And so I'm really a little more keenly aware of what I'm, what, you know, the surroundings and, the sounds and things like that. So I feel like I find things maybe a little easier that way by sound. And if you've got a group of people around you, it's harder to pick those sounds out from the the crowd, I guess you'd say. So that's another, uh, I guess, benefit of herping solo. I guess the counter to that would be if you're herping solo and you don't hear or see something, then it you're just not going to observe it. If you've got someone walking with you, then you know, if it's just one other person, that's doubling your chance of observing that animal. Um, an example is, you know, I was shining a cut with a friend and, uh, you know, I'm walking along and he says, uh, hey, Stephen, you, you don't want to look at this? And I turned around and there's a two foot long bright colored milk snake just stretched out on this rock face that somehow my, my light went right over it, but I just completely missed it. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're going to. It's like that first point. Having more eyes, you're going to see more. You're not going to miss as much. Um, but I, I also probably missed milk because I was the one in the group doing the talking at the moment. <laughs> yeah. And I I mean, that, I guess, you know, I, I, I agree. Like, you can't necessarily do everything. And I think when you're out whole, uh, herping by yourself, you're probably going to miss some things, too. I mean, that's the, that's what herps do best, right? Is avoid detection. And that's kind of their number one goal, I think out there. Um, but, uh, we, well, I guess my example of finding the twin spot rattlesnakes, you know, Dustin was standing right over top of it, but he didn't hear it. And, uh, I, another time when we were herping with Keith McPeak, um, you know, the, we heard the clobber eye, the banded rock rattlesnakes rattling and Keith's like, I don't hear anything, <laughs> you know, so I guess you're, you're hearing for, for, uh, those high pitched noises kind of goes first and, you know, the low noises stay, but yeah, you're not going to hear a rattlesnake if so. I don't know. I guess there's cool, cool advances in hearing aids that maybe I'm looking forward to sooner than later, but <laughs> so we'll, we'll see, see how that works. But, um, I think, you know, that definitely is, is something when, if you miss something, the person behind you might see it or, you know, you're going to flush it and then somebody else is going to find it. Um, so yeah, Rob, Rob and, uh, and Dustin. Uh, so I wasn't able to catch up with the group until the following day and they were hiking a trail and, and Rob was, um, taking the approach of her, you know, hiking fast to kind of catch, you know, snakes out unaware or whatever. And then Dustin was kind of doing a more, um, slow kind of methodical search. And, uh, and so Rob had already passed through, but, um, a pair of mountain Kings came onto the trail and were, you know, mate courting and mating right in the, right in the trail, you know, just right where Rob had gone past. And if Rob would have been herping solo, I guess he wouldn't have seen that. So that's more of a point for your side, but, uh, you know, you can employ different 
different strategies of herping that way. But yeah, I guess another uh, benefit to herping with you know at least one other person or a group of friends is a uh, if you're if you're out you know shining cuts or hiking or whatever and things just aren't working out, you're not seeing anything. You can sit there and rattle through possibilities in your head and argue with yourself about what you should be doing differently for hours. But if you've got someone there to bounce ideas off of, you know, maybe you'll decide we're not even in the right county based off conditions tonight. We should move. And uh, I've had that happen where I've been shining in the Davis Mountains out here and just, you know, maybe a, a leper, a black tail first, at, like right at dusk and then nothing for several hours. And we decided to move a couple hours east and found an alternative that night because we moved a couple hours east. If I had been by myself, I would have never done that. So, yeah, uh, different ideas help out occasionally. That's a good point. I mean, the more the more the merrier sometimes in in regards to having ideas. But at, by the same token, you can also kind of have a the sheep mentality where you've got so many people like with different ideas, and it's hard to get get together in a coherent uh, group or somebody's gone and you can't get a hold of them or they're, they're out of walkie range, walk, walkie talkie range or no cell signal. And you're trying to get them back so you can go to that other spot. And, you know, it's kind of like herding cats sometimes with herpers, but yeah, <laughs> so it can, it can work the other way too. Sometimes. Um, Rob, did you yes. have something to say? You, or you can... No, I was just going to say that I think it's sometimes it's a good sanity check, right? Especially if it's, uh, something where you don't a new thing for you, so you don't necessarily feel confident in your search image. There can be times where you can look at it and say, "Well, at least there's five of us together out here, and none of us are seeing it." So it's and I we're all seeing these, especially down in West Texas, right? We're down in Big Bend or over at uh, Black Gap, and it's like, "Well, I do see that inch long millipede, you know, that's crawling along, and I'm not seeing any snakes." It's like, well. I think there probably aren't any snakes to see, whereas if you're by yourself, you can get into your own head about, well, maybe my image isn't right, or I'm just not noticing things that are that despite seeing that, I'm not seeing what's there. So yeah, good sanity check as well. Yeah, yeah that definitely happens to me out here when I'm herping by myself, uh, you know, the emeralds around and I haven't seen anything and I'm questioning whether or not my eyes work anymore. And then I, you know, you spot baby scorpion running along and you're like, okay, I can still see stuff, but maybe I'm still missing everything that's out on the cut. <laughs> yeah, that's hard. Well, um, we were walking Rob and I and, and, uh, oh man, my brain's failing me, but we were in Southern California and we were looking for mountain Kings there. And, and, uh, yeah, Tom was with us. Yeah. Rob and Tom had walked, they'd flipped a couple rocks and stuff and they left this giant log and so, well, so we no, hold on. It's yeah. even it's far worse than you even let on. <laughs> we stood next to it, waiting for you for five minutes, and I thought about flipping it, and it was very flippable despite its size, and uh, chose it not to. A lot and then when you was, got yeah. to it, yeah, it looked heavier than it was. Uh, when you were kind of close enough for us to move on, we moved on, and then you flipped it, and sure as heck, yeah, there was a <laughs> what? What would that make it? It would be probably a six month old. Uh, Little yeah. Zanata under the Zanata Polka under there. So, yeah, yeah that that felt great. It, it both did. <laughs> I, I mean, that both genuinely and disingenuously. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, just seeing that uh, rock or log that, you know, didn't get flipped. And, and by the same token, though, I guess uh, on, more on my side is um, 
you know what you flipped. You're not going to flip the same log twice. And if you're following, you know, your friends and you're a couple minutes behind, you might be flipping the same rocks they just flipped or, you know, sometimes you can tell when a rock's been flipped, but if you're a good herper, you're going to put it back and you're not going to be able to tell, right? <laughs> so you might be uh, duplicating efforts and not finding uh, the same things under the same rocks. So, um, you, you know, which kind of requires either spreading out uh, to, to cover, you know, different ground, but that's hard to do if you're on a trail, you know, you, you got, you're limited to what's kind of near, near the trail, unless you go off cross country and get even further behind or <laughs> further away from your, your group. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I've definitely had that happen where I've been out flipping with friends and, uh, you know, the group gets a little separated and, half the group ends up flipping everything and then the other half of the group coming up behind them flips everything again. And, uh, yeah, you find the same amount of nothing doing that or finds a whole bunch of cool stuff in the second half of the group doesn't see anything until they catch up with the rest of the group. Um, I guess that's more of a point on your side. So, <laughs> yeah, we've had that happen where you, you're, you're in the second car and the first car just is zooming and they see, you know, something in the road and they jump out and the thing takes off and they're not able to grab it or whatever. And you don't even get to see it. You know, you get there and they're standing by the car with their heads down <laughs> we missed it. <laughs> it was a type and <laughs> Oh, thanks guys. <laughs> yeah. Or the worst is when, uh, when the first half of the group spots a snake, like in a crevice or something and the second half comes up and, Oh yeah, we had, uh, we had whatever was here in this crevice, but, we all got here. It's halfway to the other side of the planet at this point. Yeah, never to be seen again. Exactly. Yeah. Or you don't. You know, you don't uh, grab that coral snake because you don't want to chance it with the Florida coral getting a, a bite or something. Whereas, yeah, maybe you know, that can happen. You know, where that, that might uh, happen. <laughs> yeah. Or, or your, maybe uh, maybe carry carry a hook with you and carry a hook and something to uh, cover something with so that. Uh, yeah, that doesn't happen. So you'd be the only one. It's like, well, you tell me, oh, Phil, are you sure you're talking? Well, what else is uh, dark purple, red, and yellow? But okay, whatever it is, take it how you want. Second yeah, guess no me, but, but yeah. Uh, yeah, that's I'm all right. I'm pretty sure you know? I know what I saw. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> or you're too slow yeah. to catch a, a really nice pink uh, patch nose down in <laughs> Black right? or uh, Granite Gap area. So yeah. Granite Gap, yeah. And the other... Uh, thing that reminded me as we're having this conversation over by you, Stephen, was on the West Alpine cuts, um, there was what Dr. J, you thought it was Subak, you know, but then it backed up into it and we're messing around. It was that one super friable, right? And super soft and whatever. And uh, it was like, well, was that what that was? Or was that a big night snake that you caught at the wrong angle or what? But uh, yeah, yeah. never will we know. Yeah. Your eyes do tend to play tricks on you. I've found that when, when I'm herping either with a group or solo, I don't think it matters, you know, but, um, especially when I'm, when I'm herping solo, like I'll see, I'll see something in a, in, and then I'll shine a light or reflect some light in there. And it's not what I thought it was, you know, I've seen tortoises and, you know, all sorts of snakes and it's just been a, but then on, you know, if you have somebody there, and this is a point for you, of course, but if you have somebody there to confirm, yeah, I saw that too, you know, that's very helpful. But then you have to kind of almost be herping on top of each other to be able to spot the same things like that. I flipped a, uh, I think it was a log. 
it was something where they could go deeper. Maybe it was a rock and there was, you know, a crack below it or something. And I swear I saw a tricolor. It was in Washington and I saw a tricolor like turn, you know, so I saw the, this, the coil of it kind of moving in front of my, but I couldn't tell if it was my eyes playing tricks on me. I didn't, you know, I didn't get a picture of it. <laughs> um, and then there was that, uh, um, it was a Caudalineatus uh, monitor, a stripe tail monitor in Western Australia. And my wife and I, luckily my wife was there and she saw it too. So she could know that I wasn't crazy, but um, I went for the grab before I took a picture, which was stupid, you know, and, I still make that mistake sometimes, but you know, if you take a picture first and then go for the grab, if you miss it, at least you have a, some proof that you saw it, you know, um, that's happened a couple of times where, you know, you're the guy's going to believe me that I saw this. I, I don't have any way to prove it, but you know, I don't, don't have any reason to lie about it either, but you know, some people might be, uh, have a little tall tale, uh, gene in them <laughs> and they might, hey oh yeah i saw i saw about 30 out there but you know i couldn't get hands on any of them <laughs> i've seen that one before don't worry about it yeah <laughs> i've seen bigger and better <laughs> yeah yeah definitely having uh, other people there to confirm what you're seeing is uh it's definitely helpful sometimes uh on one of those west alpine cuts like you were talking about i had two friends out here and uh I dropped two of them off on a cut and I went to shine a different cut with the plan to meet back up at midnight uh, with them. And I didn't see anything. And I pull up to the cut that they're at and I see one of my friends pointing a light at one spot and pointing and the other friend is trying to scale up the cut. And I got real excited because that really only means one thing with my group yeah. of friends that they see an Alterna. So I slam on the brakes and pull off the road and get out and they're like, there's an Alterna up there. It's at the top of the cut. We can't get to it. We've been trying to get to it for an hour and a half. And I go and look, guys, I'm pretty sure that's a root. And they said, no, look, it's moving. <laughs> and what I pulled out my binoculars, which I always have with me, and uh, yeah. look at it and I was like, yeah, it's just a root. The end is moving in the wind. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, if I hadn't pulled up, they would have sat there for the next, you know, until sunrise probably trying to get to this spot that was really inaccessible without, you know, potentially really hurting yourself. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, right? they were convinced that it was an alternate. Uh, they were, they were just trying to scale right up this crumbling rock cut and yeah, could have gone badly. <laughs> yeah. That's, they would have been very disappointed when they got to the top and found a yeah. route. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some of those cuts are a little bit, if especially like nine mile, if you're on the, the top there, it's like, I'm a little surprised things haven't gone or at least I haven't heard, I'm not aware of things having gone further south, you know, you're just sort of like, oh, that's, well, even the Utah, um, you know, where we stopped at a spot that's, you know, past the border or whatever in the southwest corner. And uh, we, I hadn't seen it during the day, what it looked like. And it functionally is the same thing where it's got a cut on the west side. And uh, we had gone up from, I'd gone up from what would be the south side. And you just sort of take it as, okay, you're going up a fixture and then when you're at the top presumably it's more or less an even distribution to the ground right there's some manipulation some sides might be better than others or whatever um but this is the middle of the night you know the lamp going or whatever and it's sort of like if you were walking to naimon you didn't realize that it just fell away uh that that was basically the experience of like oh my okay well two foot in front of your headlamp you're just like well that's 
solidly what fifty feet, <laughs> fifty feet uh, straight down. No, yeah. no worries. So, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I guess let me interject here, just from a uh, uh, public uh, what, PSA basis. Do people ever fall off like nine miles? Um, you know, herpers like to tell stories, and I've heard all kinds of rumors of herpers falling off of cuts and or getting hit by eighteen wheelers. I've never verified any of the uh, people getting hit by 18-wheelers, but I do know some herpers, uh, I won't name any names, but there was a herper walking the top of a cut and a herper walking the base of the cut, and a herper at the base of the cut found an alterna. The guy on the top of the cut got real excited, and you know it wasn't nine mile, but it was still like a 20-foot drop. Jumped just right off the top of the cut and broke both his legs. Oh my gosh! <laughs> that that is some so, yeah, indication uh, for a gray band. <laughs> yeah, if, oh, uh, if you're gonna come out here and shine cuts, just take the long way down off the yeah. top of the cut. Right, <laughs> Stay away from the edge. Oh man, that's crazy. Yeah, that, I guess that's uh, um, another danger of uh herping alone is if you jump off the cut you're you don't have anybody to take you to the hospital <laughs> so yeah. you need to make better decisions when you're alone and and uh i don't know sometimes that's hard to resist you see that uh snake up on the cut or that root up on the cut you might uh, take some dumb chances and wind up in a pretty messed up situation um hopefully not a what is that? Forty-eight hours. What's that movie with the 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 climber that gets his arm stuck and he has to saw his own arm off? But I think if you're if you're gonna herp alone, definitely you know let people know where you're going and tell them kind of your plan or where you're gonna be around. Try to, if possible, herp where there's a signal. You know you can at least um, call out. I know when we do our canyoneering trips, my friend usually has like an emergency GPS. Uh, you know, emergency phone type thing where it sends out a signal if you're in in deep trouble and the life light will come out and rescue you or whatever. So, um, you know, that's more precautions are probably needed when you're when you're herping alone versus herping with a group. So if you're going to do that, take those precautions because it could save your life, <laughs> especially if you're out looking for rattlesnakes, you know, that's, there's a possibility you're, you're going to find one and it's going to be a little closer than, than you want it to be. And you might not, uh, you know, have a great experience that way. So, um, yeah, that's just a word of warning, I guess, for the solo herpers out there. Have you had any, uh, sketchy incidences when you've been out, uh, herping on your own? Um, I'm having runs with, with weird people out here. Um, mm. stepped over my fair share of leps and blacktails that were at the base of cuts. Mm. Um, but I've never had anything that I felt was really potentially dangerous. But there are, you know, there's mountain lions out here, and not that those are really much of a danger anyway, but you know, feral hogs are being more common sight out here. And those are the things that really scare me. Yeah. Um, especially when I'm alone. Yeah. No, I have a friend who was shining in the Davis and, uh, yeah, he, there was a feral hog on the first pass down the cut. It didn't mind him on the second pass down the cut. It put him up into a tree and he was there for an hour. Oh, man. Um, uh, yeah. And if you, maybe if you were with, uh, you know, one or two other people that might be enough to, Per persuade that hog to go the other direction. 
<laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I, I remember that video somebody took down in West Texas of that uh, mountain lion that was just, it was sticking around. It was kind of curious about them and wasn't, you know, running away, which a, a nice mountain lion should usually do. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it was young and dumb or it was uh rabid, which would be kind of the worst of both worlds there. If you, I don't know, there was a video I saw once of a rabid bobcat that was attacking some jogger in California, like just latched onto him. And I'm like, Oh, that's not good. <laughs> Any bobcat that's, that's going after you, you're, you're probably gonna be getting some shots uh, to, to stave off rabies, but yeah, that's not fun. <laughs> I would not enjoy being attacked by either a feral hog or a mountain lion or anything like that. Yeah. On the first trip we'd gone down, um, well, you know, as, as uh, cautious as Dr. J sounds in this context, on our first trip to West Texas, I think it was up by Boy Scout somewhere in that way, um, that uh, there was eye shine off an obvious mammal with some, a little bit, but not too much distance between the eyes. And his response was, okay, cool, I'm going to go climb the climb this, uh, you know, side of the cut slash mountain, what, you know, hill, whatever you want to call it, to uh, go investigate. And we were just like, uh, so what do, what do we peg his odds at here on, on survival? So that sort of always is uh, instinctual. Whatever, no matter what he says here, that's his instinctual reaction is like, oh, cool, let me go make friends with it. <laughs> well, I'm like, I'm not going to pass up an opportunity to see a mountain lion. It's probably because I saw that video and I'm thinking, oh, the mountain lions hang out and let you take a look at them. But it was a deer. So <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. not a big Un cat. Unfortunately, always a deer in my yeah. experience. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and I mean, I guess a deer can be dangerous, you know, if you're out uh, road cruising and, you know, got to be, got to watch out Push for those off deer. either way, hey? <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I, I've seen some pretty vicious deer attacks. <laughs> I imagine more people probably get injured and hurt by deer than by mountain lions out there. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd imagine so. And one of my co yeah, and especially having an extra set of eyes to say, Hey, there's a deer up there on the right and look out for that. Yeah. Uh, I, I, in the last year I've hit, uh, well, I hit one deer and had a deer run into my car. Um, mm -hmm. both times I was by myself. So yeah. <laughs> maybe if I had somebody else with me, I would have, uh, would have been able to avoid those situations. Yeah. Right. Especially those backseat drivers that can't really see the road very well. So they have nothing better to do than look on the shoulder for deer. <laughs> Got to have some of those sometimes. <laughs> Um, I, I do like the, uh, uh, I guess the time to kind of have it be quiet, have it, have time to reflect, have time to just kind of soak in the nature, um, be alone with your thoughts. So sometimes solo herping can be kind of a restorative process. You can get out there and kind of heal yourself in nature and kind of drown out the noise of the world and, and just look for look for herbs and, and be one with uh, nature. And, you know, if you don't find anything, you've had that experience, you're out uh, hiking a trail or, or just looking around a rock outcrop or something. Um, you can also maybe do things that are a little more, uh, what maybe some people would say are risky. You know, you're looking in new areas where not much is known, no records, you know, you can kind of go and check out new spots, especially if they're, local you can discover new cuts you know in your area or or um 
den systems or something like that, you know, stumble on something like that in a new area that people don't know about. And then you have your own little spot and can uh, explore. I did a little, uh, I guess, survey this last summer and I went out, I tried to go out every day around the same time, maybe 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock around lunchtime. I'd take my lunch and go out and hike a trail and up the Canyon from the university and see what I could see, record, you know, what I found and, you know, saw a bunch of yellow bellied racers and a couple of rattlesnakes and a uh, bunch of lizards, uh, sagebrush lizards. But um, so it was kind of fun, you know, to kind of get to know my my own backyard. And I uh, tried a new road. Uh, a neighborhood told me, oh, yeah, I was running this trail up this road and and saw a rattlesnake and a rubber boa on this, you know, on the same day. And I'm like, Oh, I'm going to check that area out, you know? And, and yeah, I saw about half a dozen rubber boas that, uh, just within a couple weeks, you know, in the springtime. So it was a very uh, good road to cruise. (laughs) There was a rainstorm that came through and I saw three, three boas on the road that night and uh, a couple gopher snakes and, and, uh, yeah. And that area has been very, good herping. So it's only, you know, 10, 15 minute drive from my house. So nice to get to know your own backyard, I guess you can say. Yeah, definitely. And when you're herping by yourself, you do get those new ideas that pop into your head to, you know, I don't ever hear of people shining cuts in this area or cruising in this area. Maybe I should try that out just to see what's going on. You can find some really good spots that way. Yeah. Or you can go to an area where it's just never going to be productive and you could waste a lot of time there. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's the coin toss of, a, of you know, being explorative. Yeah. Um, and while working by yourself can definitely be uh, mentally, uh, but your mental health and how much we like to say, you know, it's just nice to get out into nature. If you go out and shine cuts by yourself for seven days straight and see three snakes in that week, you're going to really start to hate yourself. <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, I don't know shining cuts straight. really counts as being out in nature, dude, <laughs> yeah. like, to be honest with you. That's, uh, but, hey, uh, we take what we can get out here. <laughs> those 18 wheelers no, get really close, don't they? <laughs> those, yeah. On some of those cuts. Are you, are you able to find... Uh, uh, connections to get onto private land and, and have more areas to explore that way. Uh, is that a hard thing to do or you find, find that, uh, it's a, it's a difficult thing out here. Um, mm-hmm. you know, most of the land out here is big ranches. Yeah. So getting in contact with ranch owners is, it's not easy to just walk knock on a door and ask, Hey, yeah. can I, uh, look around in your backyard? Um, but I have gotten access to a few places, and that is definitely a, you know, a much more preferred method of hunting for uh, snakes. Uh, you know, shining a secluded is better than shining an owl and having 20, 18 wheelers a minute zoom past you. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine. Or uh, sort of the competitiveness, right, on some of that stuff. I know what on um, the second yeah. trip, right, where we were out, uh, had posted up at uh, Three Mile West, and um, you know, there was this car that was obsessed with the idea that this was quote their cut and whatever. And it's like, bro, I promise you I have more three mile West Alterna from Stu and from Brian and whatever, you know, like don't talk to me, but sure. Okay. You found one once it doesn't make this your cut, dude, but just that 
sort of that was the I think that was kind of June in October. We you know I love a shoulder season. We were talking earlier about Australia, you know, being New Zealand or Australia kind of off time and all that. But uh, to me, you know, I loved being there in October. We were probably like a week or two late, and maybe it was a little bit. It killed it a little bit early that year relative to normal. You know, I was talking to Brian, and he was like, yeah, no, you should, you know, in a normal year, you'd be all right. But now, realistically, it was the week before or whatever, just this year, the way it happened. But, uh, man, when we went that first week of June or whatever, it was was a whole different deal and fun in its own way. Um, But it it was definitely crazy different, you know, in terms of the, the scope and scale of folks and it's hard enough herp, you know, if you're not private land, it's hard enough herp in any way. And, uh, then getting that sort of extra angle to it, it it's a whole nother thing that kind of cuts against the, oh, I'm in nature and I'm enjoying my, you know, <laughs> all those sorts of goodwill feelings that you were talking about, Dr. J. It, I found it kind of to jangle my nerves rather than, uh, soothe them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, most, of the, most nights, my least favorite part of the night. Uh, is seeing other herpers out there because you know it's if you want to shine a cut just get there early you know be the one to stake out the cut don't pull up at 11 o'clock see people on this cut and be like hey I have a snake from here can you leave no that's not how it works (laughs) it's actually what you're doing is technically illegal in the state of Texas so you know just just don't be that guy yeah um yeah, getting cut jumped by people is no fun. Having people car shine over you while you're walking a cut, that's my least favorite. Uh, yeah. Um, and I guess another point towards uh, herping with a group, if you're in West Texas specifically, if you've got you know two or three people on a cut, it's going to be much less likely that other people are going to get out and start shining that cut rather than if it's just you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Shining by, by myself, I have it happen a lot. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That would be frustrating. (laughs) Yeah. I get, I mean, yeah, definitely a a West Texas phenomenon. I think you're just limited to certain areas and everybody kind of knows those certain areas. So you're right. Yeah. Yeah. It makes it a little more difficult, but I I guess that's when you kind of, you, you've done your time in the off season or, or, you know, you Mm -hmm. found, found different areas or, and, uh, kind of explored so you might be able to hit some different spots or I don't know. That's tricky. Yeah. That's uh yeah. And there's, there's definitely nothing with a pulling up to a cut, especially if it's a big cut. If there's one person on it being like, Hey, uh, do you mind if I get out and shine this half of the cut and you can shine the other half? Mm -hmm. I've had people do that. And usually I'm pretty fine with that. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, you can have an agreement say, well, if you find something, let me know. And I'd like to see it at least and vice versa. Yeah. We had that experience down in uh, Tucson area with uh, uh, driving a road and the, there were three or four other vehicles and they'd found a uh, liar snake. And so we got to at least see, you know, a liar snake that they'd mm-hmm. collected. And, and uh, but unfortunately um, that also led to a DOR <laughs> liar snake that had kind of made its way up onto the road. It was actually coming towards Rob when he was photographing a tiger snake and, and got hit by a car, probably doing the same thing, looking at Rob instead of the road, you know, to make sure they didn't uh, hit him or, or were talking to him or something and didn't notice this little liar snake on the road. So I guess pluses and minuses when there's a crowded area that can lead to 
the sad things. <laughs> right. I guess when, yeah. when you're solo, you know, there's nobody there to uh, know your shame of hitting something on the road or <laughs> when those <laughs> unfortunate events occur, <laughs> you know, yeah. so you, you don't have to swear everybody to secrecy or what stays in cans, you know, what happens in cans stays in cans or whatever. I don't Keith just said, don't it. stop. It, it was <laughs> yeah. just like, he knew and he was just said, don't stop. So yeah, <laughs> he didn't even want to yeah. know. So yeah, fair yeah. enough. It happens, I guess. Unfortunately. Yeah, for sure. The worst is when it's, yeah, something you're, you're targeting and you know, you, the car finds it before you do. So that's a, that's, I guess that's the, a, a different topic, but you know, nobody, nobody will know, know what you did, but yourself. Uh, right. Yeah. Although didn't, I, Eric was telling me, right. There was some younger guy who, you know, now I'm happy for it. The uh, proliferation of YouTubers uh, uh, doing herp content or whatever, but there's a kid who pulled on the side of the shoulder or whatever and ran something over. And then he like put it on the video and sent it out and got a ton of heat for it. And I think ultimately pulled it down or whatever, but it was, yeah, I don't think I even yeah. saw it. Eric was telling me, but uh, yeah, that's something. Yeah. Yeah, you that's know, the, the opposite of not sharing, this yeah. is sharing it to the world. And unfortunately the world's a cruel place. that doesn't mm-hmm. have the context that we have of saying like, yeah, I know that I've definitely hit stuff. I know you're, you know, I, I can think of one that you're thinking of, and uh, you know, I'm sure. Yeah, it just happens. You know, well, and you have the same for me, so it's not, you know. But uh, yeah, uh, when your co-pilot falls asleep co-pilot. and you're right <laughs> heading back to the Airbnb, there you go. An advantage of co-pilots. <laughs> See, you just wanted to go solo because your co-pilots, who aren't me, always fall asleep on you. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Um, I, I, w- uh, I, there's another experience I can think of. My f- uh, friend was out herping with his son. So I guess not technically solo, but his son's like six or seven, you know, kind of a younger kid. But I, I, I think he's probably found more milk snakes than most herpers in, in Utah. But, um, he, uh, he and his son were out herping and there was this, they were kind of near a, a campground and they were flipping rocks on a hillside. And these two brothers came up to him and they're like, Oh, what are you doing? And he's like, Oh, we're looking for reptiles. You know, there's, there's some neat ones up here and, Oh, I love snakes. Can we, can we do it with you or whatever? And he's like, uh, I, I guess like, I can't stop you, you know, but be careful. There's a lot of rattlesnakes, you know, sure enough, the, you know, a few flips later, the kid's like, Oh, I think it got me. And he's like, wait, what? And the kid got bit by a rattlesnake. He was, he, you know, reaching his hand under the rock too far when he's flipping it. wasn't using good technique and got nailed. And then uh, they went. So the kids ran back to their campsite, and he's like, "Well, now I feel responsible for this kid getting bit by a rattlesnake." So he goes down to to the campsite and finds the kids, and they're just hanging out. And and he's like. Um, your son got bit by a rattlesnake. You need to seek medical attention very quickly. And the dad's like, ah, he's probably fine. I don't think there's you know much to worry about. You know, he's, it's a long way to the hospital. You know, I, I don't want to ruin the trip. And he's like, I don't think you understand, you know, what's going to happen here. Your, your son's going to swell up and, you know, potentially rip his skin open and he's going to have potentially uh permanent damage to a finger or two, you know, get him to the hospital. Dad uh, kind of grumbles and drives off with the kid. But so 
Yeah, there can be some uh, some downsides if people join you herping that you, that are not uh, as capable or, you know, um, yeah, there's you don't want to watch your your uh, friend, you know, get bit or get hurt or something like that. You know, um, some, I I uh, I grew up, you know, in the Southwest uh, climbing, you know, over rocks and. And so I, I kind of take for granted that I can, you know, I have this ability to climb and stuff. And so we'd, we'd be on scout trips. I was, you know, a scout leader type position and, and, and I'm, I'm just kind of climbing up these rocks and all of a sudden oh, there's this line of boys behind me, like trying to climb. And they're like, how did you do that? I'm like, Oh wait, no, stop. Don't follow me. This is, this is not, I, I don't want to be responsible for you guys trying to follow me up this, uh, this rock here. So <laughs> go back. But yeah, so you gotta be, gotta be a little aware and maybe not make so such, uh, uh, I don't know, risky behaviors. My wife would call them risky behaviors. I just call them fun. <laughs> If you're with a group, you know. Yeah, you definitely want, don't want to be the one uh, from there with herp experience with a group of people that are lacking in that area and then, uh, you know, have something bad happen. That uh, That's not a responsibility you want. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I guess if, well, if you're by yourself and uh, something bad happens, that's your fault. It's all on you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, that that would be a pain trying to drive to the hospital with a, you know, a hand that's swelling as you're driving or something that would be a little nerve wracking. It might Drifting be it out of consciousness. Of, <laughs> exactly. Lay, you know, easier to lay down in the back and let somebody else drive you. So maybe that's a, a, a big point for you is safety and numbers it, to some extent. So, well, yeah. I think uh I think we've we've covered some good some good ground any any other kind of parting uh thoughts you have and in, in regards to benefits of social herping <laughs> herping in groups Um I'm sure I'm going to think of some as you off this call but right now I think of any <laughs> Yeah <laughs> I think so of to one to me to yeah. this point so mm-hmm. the thing that I would say is the the joy in success i recognizing the the downside right of oh maybe it means justin found the the price side you know or brandon did or dustin in that context where it's like well tom and i nearly died but you guys did find the price side and the venture was a success since i didn't die and did get to see them the maybe not fitting onto that list, but being on the other list in terms of like, well, the whole venture, you know, was a success in and of itself. Um, just that the ability to share it with the group, especially in this day of social media, right? Where it's, and it seems like to me that uh, Facebook and Instagram are limiting your content more than ever, right? And we'll, we'll come back to this in a future date, but it's one of those things where it's like, the ability to share that the joy of common purpose and then celebration together to me is something that isn't ma- certainly isn't matched online regardless. And it's definitely not matched now where you post something and 40 people like it within the first 10 minutes and then you get five more likes. So, well, of course that's because Instagram says you don't post enough. So we're not, we've shown the, you know, whatever 50, 75 people that we're going to show this photo to. Otherwise people can come to it and they'll see it and it'll trickle in or whatever. But like, I mean, heck, we even see that when we're producing stuff or keeping stuff ourselves where it's like, 
okay, you know, it took me, what, uh, you know, eight years, a decade to breed uh, Candelia bibernae australis, right? Solomon tree bows. And uh, that got 200, 215, 230 likes, whatever it is. And it's like, well, I'm really glad that I wasn't doing that for the 215 likes because that's really, and then it's gone. That's very transitory, you know, transient is, it doesn't stick with you, the, but if we're on a trip, which is usually four or five, six people, whatever it is, the joy in the moment of finding something, what it, whatever it is, but particularly if it's a thing that you may, literally you're in that place, you're halfway around the world or you're a third of the world away or whatever it is, and you've spent six months thinking about this, this moment, the joy that you get in celebration with those folks is, there's really nothing else like it. You know, and and it's not going to be replicated. Even by yourself, you can have that joy for yourself, but it's not the same thing as Justin Fine's first willard eye. You know, seeing that price eye, whatever the the pyros with dust, whatever it is, like man, that that joy. And as much as the Zanata, right, is like I should have flipped the log. In all honesty, it doesn't diminish my experience that you found it. You know, the the part that I'm glad is that you flipped it so that we saw it. You know, and that doesn't diminish the experience of the trip. And that's the thing with, to me about going on group trips is, you know, beyond the practicalities and all splitting costs, you didn't mention splitting costs, right? If you're going to stay at places, you know, have access, a car, all these things, you know, that, that helps for sure. Um, but to me, it, it really is about sort of the joy in that moment of it, it can be harder right? in certain ways. If we're not finding the thing, you do have the capacity to say, oh, maybe we're doing the wrong thing. But if we're all sitting there having the same thought, we're doing the right thing and we're not finding something. Yeah, there's a downside. But, man, the, the joy in success outweighs all of that from my perspective. Sure, you know, if it's a local trip, you know, I'm unfortunate, unlike you two, where there's not 10 or 15 minutes away, beautiful herpe. Maybe I can flip something, you know, or whatever, but it, I don't have access to that. But, uh, man, we go on a trip that I've thought about for six months. I, I can't, I don't even know what I would tell myself that, you know, 25 years, you know, 20 years in the past, 20 years earlier that it's like, you're going to be in Kakadu and you're going to, Keith McPeak is going to be holding you steady, taking a pictures of an Owen Pelly Python. And then you guys are going to go and you're going to be, you're going to say nothing. The whole, you take 600, literally 600 pictures. You're going to say nothing. Then you're going to go around the corner and you guys are going to be jumping up and down, embracing, you know, this sort of stuff. And then it's, then the thought runs through your mind like, oh, this is where we saw a northern brown snake two nights ago. Maybe this jumping in this leaf litter isn't a great idea. But <laughs> like the joy of that is what makes it all worthwhile, man. You know, if it's just you doing your own thing, you're sure you're collecting life lists, you're doing your thing. But the joy of the group, I, I mean, ideally you all like each other or whatever. But even if you don't, you know, if you're if you're in that moment of celebration, someone who's maybe been giving you a hard time or you're kind of wore out or what. It doesn't matter. The moment of that is so fantastic. There's uh, those high fives after finally finding your target. Yeah. 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 Especially all with that time you put in. Yeah. No beats the, the yelling and the jumping around and the high fives. And yeah, if you do that by yourself, you you just look like a psychopath. But, you know, sometimes <laughs> that happens. If you find something good, sometimes that happens. That's good, too. That's good too, yeah. but it, you know, just the, the cumulative experience of, I think that's the stuff that I'll remember. You know, yeah. in terms of things that right. I found by myself versus, you know, thing. Plenty, and there's plenty of things that are in that box. You know, plenty of things we found together and things where it's like, 
understand. Or even you come to a place, right, and there are people that you've connected with over time and you meet up with them and maybe you only see them for this tiny portion of the trip or whatever. Or even you go see a place with them and then they're not there the first time in Arizona with Dustin, right? We went to a place with him, but then he had an obligation. Then he didn't go, and we kept going and kept going because it wasn't working, but it eventually did, you know, and it's like that uh, both the joy in our individual experience and, hey, the joy of, you know, making new friends and having this great, this common bond, I I just think that's so valuable and so uh, exhilarating, right? And it creates some great stories that you and that group of friends can uh, talk about for forever you know so yeah the recounting is often you know reliving the moment and and bringing that excitement back and Mm -hmm. the smiles start you know all that kind of good stuff um when you're telling stories about your solo trips and the things you find it almost seems like you're just bragging or you know looking looking for attention rather than (laughs) regaling your friends with a common story so yeah that's uh that's something to think about Mm -hmm. too (laughs) I guess I'd, I'd probably finish off with, uh, you know, herping by yourself. Um, you can spend as much or as little time with an animal. You can, you know, veer off to, to pursue a, a, maybe an unshared interest, like uh, a bird that you're looking at. You know, your friends are going to be like, okay, we're leaving. You can stare at that stupid bird all you want, but we're going, you know, <laughs> we're leaving you behind. So, um or, you know, pulling over the car because there's some rare hawk in the tree or something, you know, and you want to see it and your friends are like, are you done yet? You know, so you don't have that pressure. You can do whatever you want. You can give up or go home early or stay longer or whatever, you know, there's nothing really pulling you or, or pushing you in, in, in any direction. You can kind of make, make up whatever uh, decision you want to make and enjoy whatever you want to enjoy. Um, so there, there are definitely benefits on both sides and, and I would encourage everybody to do both, you know, find a good group of herpers and, and, uh, and get out there on your own and explore, especially close to home, um, where it's you know, not necessarily easy for everybody to come, or there's not, you know, some huge target you want to find in your area, you know, but get to know your own backyard and find those cool, rare things around your area. I had a friend visit from, I think they lived in Iowa and they came out for a bit. They were in Utah and they said, Hey, we want to, we want to do some herping, you know, where can we go? And I said, well, come up here. I, you know, I know a couple spots in the canyons nearby my house. And so we went up there, we found a, a great basin rattlesnake, a gopher snake. Uh, and then they were driving home and they just pulled off in the canyon and found a night snake. I didn't even realize there were night snakes in that canyon, you know, and they, they found one and I'm like, Whoa, that's kind of cool. It's like almost the, the northern extent of their range in Utah. And I'm like, that's a pretty big find. <laughs> I wish I would have uh, gone with them, you know, <laughs> on the, and uh, taken a look at that night snake. But so, yeah, it's kind of, kind of cool to, to be able to share things and also learn, learn things when, when people are, you know, sometimes you, you overlook the things closest to you. I think I've probably put more hours in, in Australia than I have in, in, uh, you know, close by areas like Colorado. I don't think I've done much herping at all in Colorado other than, you know, maybe a prairie rattlesnake and a couple other little things, but you know, sometimes uh, it's easier to plan a big glorious trip rather than just do a quick uh, one or two day trip in, in your own area. 
there can be some really cool things. You know, there's, there's a spot I've been meaning to get to for the last few years and just haven't made it up by flaming gorge kind of in the uh, Utah, Wyoming border. There's a nice uh, con color uh, spot there um, where they're pretty commonly found. And I keep meaning to get out there and I just never make it happen. So, you know, um, it's a lot easier. Maybe we'll have to do it back <laughs> yeah. when you and I met, um, yeah. you know, that same year I'd gone out there, um, to no effect, but, uh, yeah, it's uh-huh. 20 coming up on 20 years ago. Yeah. yeah. They, uh, it's, it's yeah. almost like a middle meeting ground for us too. It's not too far right. from, for both of us, yeah, probably equidistant. Yeah. Within you yeah. Know, just a long weekend or something, we could make it happen. So, yeah. And, sure. and sometimes it does help to have that, what do you call it? Peer pressure or, you know, somebody else that's interested in it makes it a little easier right. to go to, to the spot. So yeah, <laughs> just like this. Hey, you're seeing it in action right here, people. <laughs> uh, well, I think that was a good discussion. Some, some nice points being made and some, uh, I don't know. Now I'm, now I'm just excited to get out herping. <laughs> I got uh, itching to get back out. <laughs> Living in West Texas is great, except for the fact that, uh, you know, for five months out of the year, the herps are non-existent. Mm-hmm. And so uh, yeah. come February, like we are right now, I'm really itching for uh, the temperatures to warm up and the rain start happening. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. That's uh, I guess that's the nice thing about herp in Australia, but the cost and the distance and the time and everything it takes to get out there is another story. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, I need to, need to make more trips down to uh, South America or something, you know, somewhere that's uh, a little, little more affordable and closer and where it's not winter and under snow. So, <laughs> all right. Well, hopefully, uh, you guys got something out of this discussion and, and you're excited to get out herping as well. Um, I was listening to, uh, a new THP podcast. Did you did you hear that one? The Flippin' Tin podcast. Uh, not That's, yet, but it's a uh, it's on my list. On the list, yeah. I, I listened to part of it today. It's uh, Jake and I don't remember who Tyler. the second person. Tyler. Okay. Um. So yeah, it's uh, another field herping podcast, I guess. So I'll be curious to hear hear who they're going to bring. Oh, one more thing I forgot about herping solo. You don't have a British man um, criticizing your music the whole time. <laughs> you don't have to. The absence of German techno. <laughs> exactly. No muzzing. <laughs> that's, yeah. a, that's a definite yeah. benefit of herping by yourself. <laughs> absence of muzzing. Fair enough. Um, I don't know. I, I really. Uh, so usually at the end of the show, we just kind of talk about uh, cool things we've seen in, in the herp to culture world and. Um, I really enjoyed uh, Luke of Beaches Scaly Beasts in the Australian Herping Podcast. Uh, um, his series of his visit to South Australia with uh, Frizy. <laughs> Is that how you say his name? Anyway. I think so. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, they were out uh, hitting the same spots that I was hitting just a few weeks later and they saw the stuff that I miss. So, um, but yeah, they got some nice gill and I and a bunch of cool nefarious geckos and yeah, the, sorry, Gillen's, uh, monitor lizards. I keep forgetting maybe everybody, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, really no carpets yeah, though, right? No, no, they're, 
it's a hard find down there, I think. But Bryzy, yeah. I was talking to him because he lives in South Australia, and he's like, "Oh, you should have hit me up when you're down here. I could have taken you all these spots." And and uh, um, but that's a whole uh, different topic. Yeah, right. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that sometime. Um, but you know, he he's uh, he said I, I said, "Oh, have you seen any carpets out there?" And he's like, "Yeah, I've seen a few." He worked on a mine site, and so he'd be mm. clearing them out of the way and stuff. So I'm like. Any pictures? I just want to see them. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, some of those targets are, are harder to achieve than others. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Good stuff. Any uh, cool things you guys have seen or fun fun things you've stumbled on this week? Nothing has immediately come to mind. Uh, Slow I'm sure I'm going to feel bad for forgetting something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh my buddy Steve over in South Australia is hatching out some good snakes and oh Matt Somerville has got some good stuff yeah. hatched out wow. a pile of southwestern carpets and uh, seems like he always on. does. Yeah. yeah, he hit on Pellies this year, didn't he? Did he? I don't know. I didn't I saw it seemed to be going well, I think, right? But uh, I haven't I, seen I, hatchies. I don't know what he hasn't produced this year. He's not gonna I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that guy's uh, he's a good herper and a good uh, herpeticulturalist as well. Yeah. All right, well, thanks for coming on, Stephen, and we're we appreciate your your insight. And uh, um, where can people find you and see your cool finds? <laughs> um, you can find me on Instagram. Is your name is is just my name, keeping it simple. So. Uh, I don't I don't post a whole lot there, especially not during herping season, because uh, during the summer months I'm herping sunset to sunrise and sleeping during the day. And, but I, I post herps uh, on there every once in a while. Just uh, if you're a herper and you don't like birds, just ignore the bird post. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's uh, Stephen with a PH, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Stephen Fallick. So F A L I C K. Um, yeah. Yep. Check him out. He's he, I, you post some really cool stuff and I, I do enjoy the birds. I got to admit you, you had a, uh, really good year. You broke a record or something for your County. Was that correct? Yeah. I, I broke the, uh, the Brewster County big record. Oh, cool. Last year. So how many species? 300 and 387 species of birds in Brewster County. In the calendar uh, year. In the calendar yes. year. That's impressive. I think my, uh, I guess my total counts over 300 in the U S my total counts around 300. So that's pretty mm -hmm. impressive. 384. He said for just uh, one, 87, 387 yep. in one year in, in one County. That's pretty sweet. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It was a, it was a lot of effort and, uh, I didn't have a lot of birds during the summer because there are things to be found. <laughs> yep. <laughs> got to have priorities. <laughs> right. Can't let the birding, you can't become a full twitcher. You got to, you got to no, sit reserved. No, I mean, love the birds, but, but uh, those banded snakes are always occupying my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully I can find one someday or at least see. One Come on out. We friends. can, uh, yeah. we can try. <laughs> there we go. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks for coming on and uh, thanks everybody for listening. And we'll catch you in, uh, next week for another episode of Reptile Fight. Point,